Chapter Six of the History of Burke and Hare and the Resurrectionist Times. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The History of Burke and Hare by George McGregor. Chapter Six: Death of Donald the Pensioner, Hare's Debt, Negotiations with the Doctors, A Bargain Struck, Sale of Donald's Body. The beginning of the connection of the persons whose career up until eighteen twenty seven we have endeavoured to describe in the preceding chapter with the resurrectionist movement may have said to have been a certain extent accidental in hare's house in tanner's close there resided for some time an old pensioner named donald around christmas eighteen twenty seven he died owing his landlord about four pounds but as a set-off against this his quarter's pension was about due though of course it was more likely this would go to some relative who might be unwilling to pay the debt to hare funeral arrangements were made and everything was in readiness for consigning the remains of the old veteran to their kindred dust when it occurred to hare that by selling the body to the doctors he might be able to save himself from making a bad debt through the inconvenient death of his lodger before pension was due burke in his confession stated that hare made the proposition to him promising a share of the proceeds after some hesitation burke agreed to the scheme the coffin which had been screwed down was opened and tanner's bark substituted for the body which was concealed in the bed thereafter the coffin and its contents were carefully buried in the evening the two men visited the surgeon's square hare remaining near at hand while burke went towards the door of dr knox's classrooms he was noticed by one of the students and the following strange conversation founded of the record of it by Layton took place between them were you looking for anyone the student said as he peered into the dour-looking face of the stranger where perhaps there had never even once been seen a blush <clears throat> are you dr knox no but i am one of his students was the reply of the young man who was now nearly pretty well satisfied as to the intention of the stranger whom he had accosted and sure observed the latter i'm not far wrong then after all and i may well suit your purpose as well perhaps perhaps answered the strange man perhaps you may sir well said our friend the young student don't be at all afraid to speak out tell me your business although i have myself an idea as to what it may be have you got the thing don't know sir what you mean ah not an old hand at the trade i perceive and you were never here before perhaps no said the stranger and don't know what to say no said the stranger and the bashful man again turned his gloomy downcast optics to the ground and appeared also as if he didn't very well know or be able to make up his mind as to what he should do with those hands of his which were not made for kid gloves perhaps for skin of another kind rather and shouldn't this hardened and callous-hardened student have been sorry for a man in such confusion but he wasn't nay he evidently had no sympathy whatever with his refinement why man don't you speak out he said somewhat impatiently there's somebody coming through the square there was the reply and the man looked furtively to the side. "'Come in here, then,' said the student, as he pulled the man into a large room where there were already three other young men, who also act as assistants of Dr. Knox. And there now they were, in the midst of a great number of coarse tables, with one in the middle, whereupon were deposited, each having its own portion, masses or lumps of some matter, which could not be seen by reason of all them being covered with pieces of cloth once white but now dirty gray as if they had been soiled with clammy hands for weeks or months sure and i am among the dead said the man and i have something of that kind to sell added an assistant sharply as in his scientific ardour he anticipated the merchant 
"'Yes.' "'And what do you give for one?' he answered, as he sidled up to the ear of a young anatomist who had been speaking to him. "'Sometimes as high as ten. "'And wouldn't you give a pound more for a fresh one?' said he, with that intoxication of hope which sometimes makes a beggar play with a newborn fortune. "'Sometimes more, and sometimes less,' replied the other. "'But the thing must always be seen.' "'And by my soul, if it is a good thing and worth the money anyhow, where is it? At home. "'Then if you will bring it here about ten, it will be examined, and you will get your money. "'And since you are a beginner, I may tell you, you had better bring it in a box.' "'And have we not a tea-chest already which holds it not? "'And will not my friend help me to bring it? "'Well, mind the hour, and be upon your guard that no one sees you.' The young students who had this conversation with Burke were two men who afterwards became famous in their profession. Sir William Ferguson, F.R.S., the author of A System of Practical Surgery, and Thos Wharton Jones, one of the most eminent physiologists of the country, so that the training they obtained in these troublesome times has proved highly beneficial to medical science, and through it to humanity. But to continue the story of the disposal of old Donald's body having come to this agreement with the students burke joined his companion and went home they put the body into a sack and carried it to surgeon square when they arrived there they were in doubt as to what they should do with it they laid it down at the door of a cellar and then went to the room where they saw the students again by their instructions they carried the corpse into the room took it out of the sack and placed it on the dissecting table a shirt which was on the body they removed at the request of the students and dr knox having examined it proposed they should get seven pounds ten shillings the money was paid by jones hare receiving four pounds five shillings and burke three pounds five shillings the paymaster saying that he would be glad to see them again when they had any other body to dispose of this is burke's account of the transaction as made in his confession on the third of january eighteen twenty nine and it substantially agrees with the fuller account given by Leighton. This was the first transaction these two men had with the doctors, and it is curious to notice how an instant of so little moment in itself should be to them the first step in a long and terrible course of crime, long in the sense that, considering its nature, they should have for such a length of time kept out of the reach of the law, or indeed of any suspicion of being anything worse than pitiful creatures of resurrectionists, who were willing to rob graves of their mouldering contents for a few poultry pounds. That step, however, was enough. End of chapter 6